Nora. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk on Babs Rolls Ivy. It's around nine o'clock. You know I'm you know I'm sitting in my big chair. <laughs> ah, it's the middle of the week. Yesterday was rain. Did y'all see that rain? It was delicious though. I know it was troublesome. I know basements are flooded from here to Cheshire. I know it. I know people was just annoyed. My daughter came in last night. She's like, I'm just tired of the rain. I said, pick, the rain just started. She's like, I know. I said, we need the rain. I know, I know, but I don't like it. <laughs> so I'm like, girl, listen, let me tell you what I'm doing. Let me tell you how I'm rolling these days. Every day, I don't care what the day weather is, I'm in it. That's it. I don't care. That's how I'm getting down these days. <laughs> Whatever the weather is, I don't care. I'm in the day. I don't care if it snows. And I'm a little sick of snow. And I was a kid that loved snow. I'm a New Englander. I I used to love, love snow. You know what? This year, I'm going to embrace all the seasons. Now, I generally, generally do embrace the season. You know, I'm not one of these people that's just so mad at winter and snow that I'm just like, it just affects my mood and I'm just a pissy person. Nope. Now, I'll be mad because I, I just don't like messing around in it with other people. But I... Really, it's quite beautiful to see four seasons. So I'm going to take that blessing and I'm going to run with it. So bring it on, weather. Fall, I'm here for you. Autumn, fall, winter, I'm, I'm here for it. And then spring, I'm here for it. That's it. So you know what? It rained yesterday. It's a little gloomy today. You know what? Make the most of a damn gloomy day and stop whining about these people get on my nerves with this. Oh, and I know seasonal disorders are a real thing. I know, I know it. But I swear to God, I just want people to be like, for once, if you know you have that, say, you know what? Let me try a different tact. Let me try embracing it instead of allowing it to like wear you out. That's that's all. That's I'm just I'm not. I'm no doctor. I know these things are real for people. I know. I know. I know. The people need a lot of sun. They need all the things. They need the lamps. They need all. I, I get it. I get it. But I just, I just for once want people to be like, you know what? Let me wrestle my emotions a little bit. And even though I know I feel some kind of way, let me behave my way into whatever. That, try that. And I'm not suggesting you don't turn on your sun lamps and, you don't take the medication. Um, do all the things. Do everything you need to do to make sure that you are healthy and 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 sane and and feeling pretty damn good. I'm just saying, from my point of view, I would like people to give it another. Just give it. Just add something else to that component. Like change your attitude a little bit. Just a hair. Not saying that that's the be all end all. Not. Don't be writing me and telling me, you don't know what you're talking about, Babs. I I know what it is to be depressed. And my depression is different than your depression. Everybody's got their own thing. I get it. But I just want to say sometimes to people, you know, 
let's look at this a little, come at this a little differently. Come at this as if you are trying to rescue yourself. I know. Let me, let me just get on another subject. Because I, I know people feel very strongly about seasonal disorders and how they feel. And I, I, I'm not one of those people. I'm just not one of those people. I'll just take the seasons. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not happier in the summer. I'm not unhappy in the winter. You know what it is? I'm aging and I just don't like snow. <laughs> and and now that I got these new Tinas, I don't, I don't want anything to harm them. <laughs> but, you know, fortunately, I don't shovel. So, but I will say this, shoveling is quite meditative. Just FYI. It's, you know, when it snows, it quiets everything down. It is like, it is like a blanket to the earth. It just quiets everything down. I, I never hear noise when it snows. It's never noisy when it snows. It's always quiet. I've, I've sat on the porch a few times in the winter with a hot cup of cocoa and big vegan marshmallows and lots of cinnamon and, and sat with my, um, you know, blankets and stuff and just listened to the quietness of the snow falling. I mean, that, listen, that is a beautiful thing. So, you know, of course I like a sunny day. Who doesn't? Summer has, summer has become my favorite time of year. Fall too, spring, winter is becoming a long winter and spring is like a day. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, just, you know, I know people have their, I know, I listen, I know. I'm just saying, just let's, let's go with this another way, people. Let's just, let's just behave ourselves into what we want. Just behave ourselves into what we need. I, I want to see people do that. I, I really do. I, that has been my, my way for a very long time, for at least 20 years. I learned very early to behave my way into something. That talked me out of committing suicide. It talked me out of harming myself. It talked me out of a whole, I, I talked myself and walked myself out of a whole lot of a darkness just put one foot in front of the other and behave my way into whatever it is i i wanted to feel not faking it i don't like faking it till you make it I, I, there's nothing fake about me but i know how to behave my way into you know happiness and i know how to behave my way into focus and i know how to behave my way into you know just all kinds of things that that i want to put my attention and mind to so i'm just suggesting Try that strategy. See if it works for you. You know, just just try it. Just try it. So, can, can I tell you all something else? I, I've been paying attention to these political ads, and uh, I don't know who's running the. I don't know who's running the, the ship behind behind closed doors. But hey, Harry, hey, Nora, whoever, whichever one of y'all is rocking. But I, I've been, I've been, you know, for a long, long time, I've been troubled by these political ads. And they're just getting grimier and grimier by the minute. Because I'm a, I'm a thinking person. I'm a woman of heart and mind. So when I see at, like these Johanna Haynes ads, that there's no, there's no talking about the other candidate. It's just slamming her for whatever. Whatever they think she's not doing. Whatever. Whatever it is. And I can't really tell exactly what it is. But, you know, there's a whole bunch of white people I, they couldn't. I don't know if they could find any black people who would be traitorous enough to stand up there and say she's not good at what she does. But you know, it's easy to find white women to do it. 
because white women are oftentimes the assassins of themselves and of women of color. Don't fight me on this. Go read. So, so these ads, and then, and then, and then, you know, under the guise of white men, right? So white men, architects of all kinds of racist things. So I'm listening to these ads and I just want somebody. And then I, I heard some other little man's ad about he's not a politician. He's sitting in his, sitting in his kitchen and I'm thinking to myself, so when you get elected, are you a politician then? Cause I'm just trying to understand the thinking, like what is it about poli- politicians that are so distasteful that you want to join the ranks? Cause see, that's, that's how I'm thinking. Like if, if I, if I'm distasteful of politicians, why would I want to be one? And so I'm just trying to think, so do you think that you'll be a different kind of politician? Because I don't, I'm not understanding how you'll be different because politics is about relationships. So are you saying that you're going to get in office and not have relationships with other people and not broker deals and not have conversations and not work on stuff and not cross the eye? I'm just trying to understand when in, what good are you to your constituents? I, I, see, I, I, I just think politicians and those that run politicians have dumbed down the water so much that everyday ordinary people just like, yeah, I don't want any politicians. What? Are you kidding me? It's just, I just, the level of stupidity is just, it's just painful. You would never, we never say that to doctors. We never say, well, I don't want my doctor to doctor. I, I'm going to be a different kind of doctor. I, well, like what? One that doesn't go to medical school? I'm just trying to understand what, what you're not trying to be here. And this is what I want politicians to do if you're running for office. Hear me out. That's what I want you to do. If you're running for office, don't spend your time on the other person, what they're not doing. Tell me what the hell you going to do. See, and, and for the most part, people who are not in the, who are elected to office for a period of time, they can't really tell you that because they don't know. So they got to sort of make you think that they are going to do a better job than the person that's in there. And, and, and I don't need, I don't know if that's neither here nor there or true or what. I just know that when you run for office, one term is not enough to get a damn thing done. It's just, I don't give a damn who you are. It takes a decade to get your, to get in there and make the relationships and to get to know the other leaders from around the state and from around the country it takes a good while to get a foothold in this legislative arena and i and the people are just stupid when they say oh i I don't want career politicians you never say you don't want a career dentist you don't want a dentist who's gonna work two years and then i'm out you like knowing that your dentist was your dentist from 1995 to the present, right? If they're still alive. You like knowing that your doctor has spent some time in medical school and then has spent some time working in whatever the specialty he does. We never say that about any other area or arena. We never say it. We never say every two years let's change teachers. Now we say every couple of years kids go to a new teacher. You know, because grades, but 
but we don't we don't round up teachers and throw them out because you done taught two years now you gotta go two years is enough four years is enough to teach we we don't do that so why would we do that with people that we elect for office when we have to understand that it takes a long time to know that playground it takes a long time, even at the even at the city council level. It takes a long time to know. We got what twenty eight, 30 alders in this city. It takes a good while to get to know everybody's neighborhood, because you know we are kind of we are kind of siloed, right? Everybody's kind of siloed because everybody everybody's everybody's neighborhood is unique and it's got its own unique challenges. Like I I didn't have. The part of Beaver Hill that I I lived in, they, they, I didn't have a I didn't have a drug trafficking issue on the other side of Gulf Terrace. Now on the other side of Gulf Terrace, yes, I had some challenges, but it wasn't my entire neighborhood. There are people who whole neighborhood they got all kinds of challenges. They got business challenges, industrial challenges. You know, I mean, I think one of the biggest challenges I had in my neighborhood at twenty eight was a damn fire range and people just couldn't abide it. I, for me, when I first heard it, it freaked me out. But then when I found out it was the range, I was like, well, cops got a train, you know, but somehow or other people were like, well, I don't feel comfortable with having a range. It's loud. And they, and they worked out a great schedule. They tried to run their, their, their firing drills when most people were at work and kids were in school, all of that. But it just wasn't enough. The idea that it was there just drove people crazy. Just, just throw people out their minds. So, but anyway, I digress. I'm just, I, I just want people to sort of think about when they hear these ridiculous ads, when they hear them, that they, that they process them and, and take them apart and say, and ask themselves, what am I hearing? What are they trying to tell me? And what can I find out the truth on, on my own? And 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 I don't mean like I don't mean like I think they're liars, which I I, I kind of do, but I kind of do. Um, I think you have to just be media literate and just take apart the ads or the commercials or whatever. And you know what? You could do this with everything. You could do it with products. You could do it with TV shows. You could do it with everything. Just take it apart and ask yourself, what am I supposed to get here? What am I hearing? What am I seeing? How do I feel about this? Does this feel true to me? Does it resonate with my values? Who do I want to be in the world? How do I want my neighbors to be treated? Who are my neighbors? Do I just think the people on my block are my neighbors? Do I think people in my neighborhood are my neighbors? Do I think people in my city and my town, everybody is my neighbor? I tend to think big picture. I like knowing that all of New Haven is my neighborhood. I, I, I live in New Hallville. I get it because that's the designation. That's where I am. But I feel like I, I live in the whole city. There's no part of the city that I feel uncomfortable or lost or, you know, whatever. I, I'm all over the city. I, and I've always been like that. Even when I grew up in the hill, I always felt like this city was my city. And so I, I act accordingly. I, I don't treat it like, oh, that neighborhood over there is not for me. No, I don't, I don't feel that way. When I'm over at the park at East Rock, I don't, I don't think, well, this park is just for East Rock people. I used to take my kids over there all the time. 
I'm just saying. So I, I just I just want these these politicians to sort of get on the place of saying, um, uh, to get in the place of of saying what they will do and not try. And I get it. People try to make themselves look more unique than the person that's in office. You know, like I, I have to have some, di- you have to see some real difference in me. So I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say X. <laughs> I'll just say it. That's, that's my, I, I, those things just bother me. So i tell you what I, I'll tell you what I do like. I, I really have been enjoying um, Governor Lamont's ads. Cause he's not, he's not, he's not been in, he's not been an attack dog on this. He's like, listen, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to continue to do. That other cat, Stefanowski, I think every day he got a different, a different reason for wanting to be governor. Well, I think Lamont's a liar. All right, prove that. You you took some snippets from some past press. You know, you know, and I know when you get in, a, you can say a lot of things. And then when it gets down to the wire, things happen, things change. I like somebody who got some flexibility. I don't want somebody who's gonna be like, I don't give a damn. I'm a I'm gonna run this agenda, hell or high water. I kind of like somebody who's like, you know what, I was on, I was for this, but now I, you know, I I I've had time to confer and converse with people. I've had time to look at some evidence, I had time to look at some numbers, I had time to look at some data, had some time to think about this in a different way. I listened to my constituents. This is what they're feeling, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to change my mind. I, I like people who could do that. That's 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 leadership for me. I, I just don't want anybody like, I don't give a damn what's going on left or right. I don't give a damn what's going on up or down. I want this thing done and it's going to get done. I was like, now, I'm not for the wishy-washy, though, because you can't just, you got to be clear, and you can't be running around talking about, oh, well, I was for that, but now I'm for this, at every turn. Like, every de- some decisions you're just going to have to make in isolation and make them, and be like, you know what, I stand by it. See what I mean? That's, this is, but that, you know what, leadership is not for the faint of heart. Because you gotta, you gotta, you gotta change your mind, but you also gotta be steadfast and have fortitude, but you also gotta be yielding and you gotta, and it's not for everybody. Everybody can't do it. People get frustrated, they get flustered, they get mad, they don't want to hear it. They get mad at you. I Listen, I've been a politician, I know. I'm proud to say I was a politician. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think being in politics as a career is dishonorable. I know. I think there have been some scoundrels and bad actors who 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 have um, um, ca- made people cast a, a bad light. You know, I, I, I think that, you know, but that's just a that's a public relations problem. <laughs> that's a public relations problem. That's that's not, you know, that's a that's a public relations problem. And And some of these people just have bad characters. I mean, let's face it. I mean, Donald Trump is is a terrible person. I mean, he is a terrible person, like a terrible human being. I I don't even know. There's no redeeming qualities to him. You know, anybody that makes fun, that literally makes fun of physically challenged people. I mean, if you did that mess in school, your kid would be suspended or you'd be fired off your job. 
thank God we did fire him from the White House. I, I just, so people like that and those that follow that are just bad actors too. They're just bad actors because anytime you, you tap the worst in people and there are leaders throughout history who have tapped the worst in people and we know them, we know them, we read about them, we see them and we try to, you know, get beyond them. But I, I, don't, I don't want that kind of leadership. I want, I want, I want a leadership that says I'm for everybody and even though you don't dig me, even though you want to kill me, I'm still going to fight for your right to, to say what you want to say, do what you got to do. I'm still going to write. I'm still going to fight for your right to the pursuit of happiness. That's it. I, I don't, I don't need you to like me. <laughs> Remember your parents used to say that my mother used to say, I, I don't need you to like me. <laughs> I, I'm the mom. I got mothering to do. This is how I'm doing it. I, I don't care if you like it. <laughs> Mom, it ain't easy. I'm telling you. So that's how I, that's how I approach things. I was like, hmm. I, I remember the first time, um, who told me? I think I think it was Margo. I think it was Margo. She's like, I hate you. She was like, little. I turned around. I looked at her. I was like, I hate you too. <gasps> oh, mom, you can't you the mom. You can't say you hate me. <laughs> I was like, well, you the daughter. You just told me you hate me. Oh, that's not fair. You don't, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> I was like, listen, don't start now. Won't be none, kid. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who you think your mother is. I, I'm, I'm not June Cleaver. I'll come at you. <laughs> she, she never said it again. She was mad. She, she came. She, she comes back and says, "You really hate me, Margo. I do not hate you. I love you with all my heart." I said, "But if you say mean stuff to me, I'm gonna say mean stuff right back." But that's not how I want you to live in the world. I don't want you to feel like because you can't control your emotions, you just rattle off at me mean words. I said, "I don't. I don't do that." So I was just giving you back what you was giving me. So if you want people to treat you better. You got to be better. And she socks off to her room. You know, ooh. <laughs> I'm like, uh-uh. You're not saying that mess to me and I'm going to stand there and cry. What? And I know mothers who get all bent out of shape and their kids say that mess to me. Oh, I hate you. You know what? If they're saying that to you, damn it, you're doing something right. You might, you might be doing something right. I don't want to speak for all parents. Some of y'all are trifling. I don't got good sense, nor home training, nor home training. <laughs> I, had to, I, had to, I, had to, I had to deal with somebody's child this weekend. I was like, if I, I told that girl, if you talk to your mother like that again, I'll beat your ass. She, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, can't, I can't abide that, man. She got up and stopped off. Then she came back around later and apologized. I was like, listen, you don't owe me an apology. You owe your mama an apology. I said, but when you're in my presence, you're not going to talk to her like that. I, I, I mean it. I know how hard it is to be a mother. I know how hard that mess, the sacrifices. And listen, we're not asking kids to be, you know, 
beholden to us because we do for them. We do for them because we love them. We do for them because we have accepted the responsibility and the obligation of doing such. But what we did sign up for is disrespect. So I'm still do right by you. But what you're not going to do is stand in my face and disrespect me. And I and I mean that. I, I mean it. You know, I mean it. So it, it's hard because these kids right now, you know, they they got their own vibe. You know, and I know it. And I listen. I was a handful too, so I'm not. I'm not suggesting that I was perfection. Pretty damn close though, but I I was not. You know, I gave my mother a run for her money, and I'm glad I made amends before she died. Because that would have been a guilt I would have had to carry if I'd not have made peace with my mother well before she died. Well, well, well before she died. You know, but that's because I grew up. I became a grown-up and 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 got married, you know, and 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 was it, you know, trying doing adult things. So, you know, when you grow up, you start to see things differently. You do. That that's that's why. You know, we send our kids off to college, give them four years of some other study and some other experiences so that they could begin their adult lives with something other than how, you know, something in addition to what we built into them. That's why I, I tell people, I, these, these parents are like, oh, I don't want my baby to go far. I don't want my baby to go out of state. I won't be able to get to them. Let me tell you something. This is not the 1700s. <laughs> Wait, nobody is traveling by stagecoach. <laughs> you can get on a plane, you could drive, you could you could do all kinds of things to get to people from here to California. I mean, let kids go off and get a taste of the world and utilize all the skills that you gave them. Now, if you didn't give them any skills, well, it's gonna be a tough place for them. You know, if you have kids who ain't never did a chore or never picked up after themselves, never made their bed, don't know how to cook a damn meal, ain't been in a grocery store, don't know how to do anything. Well, then you want to continue to be their servant, then all right, then maybe they shouldn't go off to school. You know, maybe they shouldn't. But I just feel like, and I don't, honestly, I don't think that, I think I think education can do a lot of things, but I don't think education can replace parenting. And there's there is a real thing about home training. There are things that kids ought to learn at home. And and if they can't learn at home, then maybe schools ought to pick up the slack. But damn, we ask schools to pick up a hell of a lot of slack. Kids gotta come to school, teachers gotta get through all the walls and the barriers of what kids are dealing with before any teaching and learning can happen. <sighs> That's why I'm a teacher. That's why I like teaching at the college level. And I like teaching adult college learning. You know why? Because they show up, they don't spend their money, and they're like, I done worked hard for this damn money. I'm going to sit in this class, and I ain't going to miss it, and I'm going to do the work. <laughs> That's why I love adult college students. You know, when I was when I was a professor at Albertus Magnus, and I was for a good many years before they fired me because of my scandal, Um. Um, I, I love those adult, adult learners in the in the bachelor's program, undergrad program, and in the master's program. I didn't like the master's program kids, people so much, because they were a little bit of assholes. But the undergrad students, 
Because I know they were eager. They paid their money. They got off their job, you know, and came to class. And class sometimes was like 6 to 9, 30, 6 to 10, you know, once or twice a week. I, I, that That is a commitment and discipline, right? You send a kid out of high school to college, they, they're not going to have that same kind of discipline unless they go to HBCU. Go to HBCU, you're going to get that kind of Whatever home training you and show up with, you're going to get it. Because <laughs> these teachers know you and they know your story. And they go, this is why I love it, HBCU. I, I would never send my kid to a private white institution. I don't give a damn w- what they say or, you know, how good of an opportunity. I, I just wouldn't do it. Because I think the world is kooky and crazy enough and racist enough that they need some foundation of, of folks that will hold them down for four years or so before they jump into the world, you know? And, 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 and white kids already get that foundationally, you know? They already, they already come with that community built around them because these institutions are built for them. And our kids are, are sort of like an appendage. And, you know, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's and I know it's all, I guess it's prestigious, your kid gets into Harvard or Yale or Bryn Mawr or Vassar. I, you know, listen, no shade, none, none. But there is a price to pay when we send our kids into those environments too soon, too soon. So I say for my money, and, that's, and listen, I tell you how I know this is true, because HBCU numbers across the country have gone up. Fisk got one of the largest classes in its history. North Carolina A and T has the largest class in its history. These schools, Spelman, Morehouse, Howard, these kids, Grambling, Jackson State, these these schools, and I could go, I could list all of them. These schools, Bennett, um, uh, uh, Bethune Cookman, all these schools, these numbers are high because people are starting to black parents are starting to understand. I need you to get shored up before you go into the into the world i need you i need you to you know so because here's the thing when you on when you on an hbcu campus the student government association is the student government association it's not the student government government association and then the black student government association and i understand why they have it on private white institutions because uh oftentimes we are neglected and we can't get make those inroads every now and again you'll get some black person who rises through the ranks, but it for the majority of the part of the time. Mm-mm. And now listen, listen. If your kid is prepared to go into those environments and spaces and ready, I get it. I get it. I get it. Because we need to be everywhere at the same time, you know, at the same time. So if your kid is strong enough mentally and spiritually, then all right. All right. All right. But if you just want it because you want the glory of that, so you got to check your reasoning. You got to you gotta check where you are. So if your only reason for sitting your kid, and not the only reason, but if your grand reason is like, oh, look what we did. Right, we got our kid into whatever. And, and, you, and you think that that's some kind of badge of real honor. All right. Then that that's on. Then you need to check something because you sending your kids into, you sending them into war zones. 
Now, these institutions would probably argue, but I, I know what I see. I know what I know. <laughs> my mother my mother was a, a custodian at the Yale Medical School up until she time she died. And I got to tell you, through my high school formative years, we always had some students, some student from Europe at our house for dinner and Thanksgiving and all that kind of stuff. And them kids would stress the hell out. And my mother would just give them a good talking to, you know, because these kids would just be, and some of these kids was rich, rich. I'm talking rich. And they'd be sitting at my mama's table talking about my, I'm so glad Miss Rawls, you talked to me. My parents can't hear me. My parents, my parents don't want to hear anything about how I'm feeling. I, I got to be in this medical school because I come from a long line of doctors. I remember hearing those conversations, swear to God. And, and, and my mother, my mother was like, well, you know, do the best that you could do. do you, what do you like about it? What do you don't like about it? Like my mother was, my mother was very kind like that. She never, she never told a kid to stand up to their parents or any of that kind of stuff. She was like, just make the best of it. Find a way to deal with it. If it's bothering you that much, maybe, you, you know, find a community that could, you know, raise you up, that kind of stuff. And you could always come here and talk to me, that kind of stuff. But I always, I used to sit there and listen to them kids be like, I'd be like, damn. <laughs> I was like, your parents don't, your parents won't even let you consider something else. Nope. My, my family is a long line of doctors. My family is a long line of attorneys. My family is a long line of chemists. They're this, that, and the other thing. And so I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, you know, there's no other option. I'd be like, shoot, shoot, shoot. So, you know, I, at some point when you, my friend Andrew taught me a good lesson about this. You know, he has, my son Gregory was struggling high school and he had, um, he had, um, dropped out for, for a semester. And I was like, well, you know, if you, if you don't want to go to school, you cannot stay here. So uh, I was like, you know, go, you can't stay here. So you have to find someplace else to live. And I know people find that very harsh and, and in hindsight, I think it was harsh, but I needed him to know that I wasn't playing and I, I didn't want to give him room to like do BS and he was doing BS. Um, so he couch surfed for about, I don't know, from like, I don't know, from like November to February. And then he finally came home. He's like, mom, I, I want to get back into school and I want to finish up. And I was like, okay. I said, but these are the rules. And, you know, he gave me run for my money because he, he got into trouble a couple of times. That was just stupid trouble. I was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, why are you this stupid? <laughs> I remember one time we he couldn't play basketball because his grades were poor. Now, he had gotten on the honor roll a couple of times through high school. So we didn't understand why he just fell off. We started running around with these little Rudy Poop kind of cats. And then this grade started slipping, but he wanted to play basketball. His grades were slipping. And we told the coach, under in, under no circumstances is he to play. And plus, there's a rule about that. But they let him play. And he got hurt. And they called us. They called us and they said, 
um, he got hurt playing basketball. And I said, well, I, why are you calling me? And, and, and who is this? He's like, this is a coach. I said, well, why is he playing basketball? Um, his grades are not good enough to play basketball. So you're the coach and you allow, I mean, I, I went in and I was like, well, you know what? You should take him to the hospital then. And he's like, well, ma'am, I can't do it. Why? You let him play on your team. So why won't you take him to the hospital? He was good enough to play. He was good enough to take him to the games and he playing your team. So he, the coach brought him to the house. And I was like, I'm not taking him to the hospital. So the na- my neighbors two doors down took him to the hospital. I picked him up. But I wanted him to know. I was like, that's, I, we told you. Your father and I said this, this, this. And you, you, you disrespected that. I mean, I went and I got him at about three o'clock in the morning. They called me and it was like, um, is somebody going to come get him? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess I'll have to come get him. So I had to pile all the kids in the car because at that time, Lawrence was working from 12 to 12 to like, I don't know, eight o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, 11 to seven or something like that at the railroad. So I, so three or four o'clock in the morning, I had to get the kids up and go get, go get him. Um, because I couldn't leave them in the house because, you know, they frown on that kind of stuff. You know, and then he did some other stupid stuff. And they, I think he's turned the corner, I think. I remember, I remember we had this conversation. I said, so you want you want to go to college? He's like, mom, he was dead serious. He's like, mom, I could barely get out of high school. <laughs> he's like, I... I just don't think college is for me. I was like, Gregory, how do you know? He's like, Mom, I barely got out of high school. <laughs> I was like, okay, Greg, we'll we'll revisit this another time. <laughs> he was dead serious. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And my son Khalil just just gave up school altogether. He just he just stopped. He just stopped. Yeah, I think he, I think Greg, I think Khalil dropped out pretty much from the seventh grade and they called me from from yeah i had him in private school they called us like listen you can send him to whatever school you want but he can't come back here because he was a terrorist i mean he was absolutely a terrorist and i don't know what you do with kids like that so i got him in all kinds of programs he was in the 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 maiden uh program at gateway that was like high school college credit kind of thing he was one of, he was at the very beginning of that he couldn't deal with it. He didn't want to. I had him at New Haven Academy. He he just he just didn't want to. He didn't want to do right. I put him in programs after program after program. I put him in. I mean, I I put him in programs that kept him for like a couple of weeks on end, trying to sort of work on his his whatever it is that was, you know, what whatever his dissociative attachment disorder, all the things. I mean, we tried everything. I mean, I. We came out of pocket on a lot of stuff and, and it just, there's just kids who, whatever you do is just not enough, not the right thing, not, and you run up and you run up against time with that. Right. Because as soon as they become 18, then all hands, all bets are off. Now, now when, 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 when he was 16, 17, 15, 13, 12, I had absolute control. I could make him go wherever I wanted him to go. I could take him wherever I wanted to take him. But as soon as they reach that age of 18, the state says, well, he's got to decide. 
I was like, but he's not deciding a damn thing. <laughs> he's not doing anything. He's doing nothing. And then, and and I all they offer you is like group therapy and therapy. I was like, oh my god! If I if I sit in another group therapy, listen to this boy whine about, you know, what? How come he can't get the new Nikes? If I have to sit through that, I swear to God, I'm gonna kill everybody in the room. <laughs> and then I'm gonna walk out, call the cops, and sit on the curb and wait for them to come get me. That's what's gonna happen. <sighs> so we tried everything. We tried one-on-one counseling we tried family counseling not tried we did we did one-on-one counseling we did his only count just him with two different kind of counseling therapies two and then we tried family therapy he did therapy with his dad he did therapy i'm like we i've i've done every therapeutic thing from here to hell swear to god I could tell you about every therapeutic thing in this city, this state. Um, It was, it was exhausting. And then he finally just got it together and went into job corps and he was doing very well. They were very pleased with him. And then he got into some mess, you know, he's like sabotages his own success. I don't think he sees it that way, but that's how I see it. Every time he gets close to success, it just, he just throws it away. I was like, okay. So now he's, you know, he's 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 safe. At least I think he's safe. I mean, I, I hear from him. He's all right. He's working here and there. You know, he's working here and there. But you know, time will catch him. He'll have to. You know, you only get to be eighteen once. He is twenty twenty one years old. And time is moving. I try to tell him, like, listen, son, time is, you're not, whatever, whatever you think you're doing right now, you, you, you cannot sustain this level of not dealing with your life. That's number one. You can't sustain that, you know? So that's some number two. Daughter number one, she went off to Bennett. Um, the pandemic hit. Um, we had some financial trouble um, she was in, uh, she transferred out of Bennett, but well, she started taking classes at another college down there for something that she, they had an early childhood program that they didn't offer at Bennett. So she was taking classes at both places. And then the pandemic hit and she just, you know, she just didn't like being on her own. She just couldn't, you know, she had an apartment to herself. It's just, it was just too isolating. And, you know, she had that, she had a car. So she had to, you know, down there, down South Greensboro, you have to drive everywhere. It's not like it's not like here, you could just go downtown and hang around, you could go, you could walk and it's not walkable like that. So so she came on back, she moved in with her dad and his wife, and I don't think his wife was very nice to her. And you know, and he didn't he didn't stand up to her or stand up for her or whatever. And you know, you know, he could be a bit of an asshole about about things. So um so she asked if she could come live here. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, fine. Margo was already here because she was back and forth with her dad uh, because she was a gateway. Then when the pandemic hit, she had to go off. They, you know, they shut down. So she was working. So she was she was uh, working online. And uh, she just found herself being here more than she was at her father's house in Hampton. So, so you know, her father's just pain in the butt so 
And uh, and so she just camped here. And so, you know, it was really nice having having the kids around a little bit as grownups, you know, because I, I was getting my hips, I was working on the surgeries and so they were very helpful. But let me tell you something. Um, they are trying to be in the world and move in the world. They got tools. They got tools and they know they have tools. We've given them tools. I've given them tools. My family has given them tools. So, so you know, and it's it's a lot harder than than, it, than they thought it was going to be. They each they each have said to me in their own way, "Oh, I had no idea." I was like, "We tried to tell you. <laughs> we tried to tell you. Try to tell you. You know." So you know, Margot lives around the corner. And I, I very much want her to get back in school. She's brilliant. I want Brianna to get back in school, but Brianna's having a, uh, I don't know what I want to be anymore moment. You know, it was education. She loved children. And early childhood education was her path. And, you know, she's like three years in, but now she's like, maybe not, maybe not. And I don't know, I don't know how to, I think sometimes mothers have to allow other people to step into the role as mentors and confidants. I don't think mothers ought to be the sole confident confidant to their children. I, I don't think that's a good relationship. I said, because, you know, you have to have boundaries. And now I'm not suggesting that they cannot ever come to me with whatever, because my kids are good for coming to me with their woes and their issues and telling me about their life. And I, and I trained them to be that way because I thought it was important as children to be able to sort of say, if something was going wrong in their lives, they would tell me, you know, but this is what I know about kids. Every kid does not want to disappoint or hurt their parent. So sometimes things go happen to children and it stays secret, particularly around abuse matters because they, they hold the responsibility of taking care of parents. I, I, every child does that. And I think that's what, because parents will say, oh, but I taught them good touch, bad touch, whatever. Yes, we, we, you should teach them all the things, but there's something innate in children to protect their parents first. And parents have to understand that. And I don't know how you break through that. I don't, I, I just, I do not know how to, I don't. As someone who was trafficked and abused and traumatized and grew up in a very violent household, I, I don't know how you, I don't know what the answer is. I, I know I didn't tell my mother things for a very long time. And I thought there were things that she should have known, but she didn't know. Um, and, and there are things that happened to my children that I just didn't know. You know, and I, and I, and I kept an eagle eye on them. You know, but every now and again in conversations, they'll say, well, this happened. And I was like, oh, I didn't know about that. And then, oh, and they'll say, this happened. I was like, what? Why didn't you tell me? I could have went da 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 and beat some ass, you know, and and it's because kids want to protect you, and and it's not because they think they'll get in trouble; they just are protecting you. That's just their nature. And I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to tell parents how to get around that. I really don't. Just trust that uh, whatever it is, it'll come to light. And you'll have to deal with it after the fact. I think that's the best. I think that's the only advice I could give parents. I, you know, I, I don't know what else to say in that regard. People are predatory. People prey on children because it's easy to prey on children. And they understand how protective children are. 
And you have to understand that. And and parents be flying off the handle and going crazy and all that kind of stuff. And kids know who their parents are. My kids know who I am. They know they know how I get down. You know, I could I could show up with all the degrees or I could show up from the hood. But it it depends on the day. So I'm either I'm either wearing tennis braces or I'm bringing Vaseline. That's that's just how it's gonna go down, depending on what it is. And so they they weigh that very carefully. <laughs> And I know, I know my kids were like, let's, let me weigh this very carefully about what I, what I tell my mom, what I need her to be on fire for. Because, you know, I go up to that school like, you know, like the Wicked Witch of the West on a broom on fire. <laughs> or I could go up there, put on a good suit, conservative jewelry, go up there and speak in the language that they understand, you know. And use my voice in a way that they know I speak the same language as they do or can, you know. And sometimes you just got to show up there, just be straight hood with them. And I've done it. I have done it. I've gone up there and been straight hood. Straight. No holds barred. But I've also shown up like, you know, the 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 leader of a nonprofit or <laughs> a politician or <laughs> a respected member of community <laughs> so so I could go let me tell you let me tell you let me tell you I don't play that mess so kids kids you kids have to they they weigh what they tell you and you, you, and you're not going to hear everything and you know, you're not. And it'll, it, I mean, I know in my own family, we, we get together for Thanksgiving and we start telling stories. My mother be like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. So I have that same relationship with my, I mean, I get it. I hear things about my kids and I'm like, oh gosh, why did you tell me? That's your first reaction. But then you think about it and you're like, I get it. I know why they didn't tell me because they, they, they wanted to spare me whatever the act out was going to be. I think, I think they wanted to spare me that not them. They didn't want to spare them. They wanted to spare me, you know? And so, uh, and so it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard rope to, it's a hard line to, to tow when you are a parent, you know, you just have to, there's no, I don't care what nobody says. There are no manuals for this. It is. It really is. Put put one foot in front of the other. Put your hands out and feel your way. That's what it is. That's what it is. You, you could talk to them about running with the wrong crowd all day and night, but they're going to run to the wrong crowd. They're going to run. Now, what you want is for the run to be short. <laughs> don't. Listen, be careful with that. I don't want you hanging around that person because they're bad. Because the minute you start that refrain, it makes those folks, those folks attractive. And they want to prove you wrong. That goes for dating. That goes for friends. So be very careful how you talk to kids about who they rocking with. You know, birds of a feather flock together. You know, like, don't disparage their friends. Because I had friends 
who was fast and loose with stuff, but they were ride or die back in the day, had my back, made sure I got home safe, made sure things didn't happen to me. And a lot of things did happen to me, but it wasn't because my friends didn't have my back. You know, seriously. So you have to you have to allow for kids to pick and choose their kinds of friends. Now, hopefully you will have poured into them enough that they will make good decisions. But the minute you come down on who they run with, because maybe the run will be very short and they'll be like, nah, this ain't for me. But I'm going to keep them in my back pocket, but I'm going to keep them as my friends and I'm going to know them, but I'm not going to rock with them because I got a different trajectory. You want them to do that kind of reasoning in their heads. But the minute you start that, I know you ain't hanging with Ray Ray and them. I know you're not hanging with Man Man and them. I know you ain't running with them. Them over there, that house over there, in the project, whatever. You start that mess, then you make those kids bigger in their lives than they ought to be. So what you want to do is invite those kids to come to where you live and see how you live. Bring them to your church and all that other kind of stuff. Bring them to the things that you do so that they get a taste of how y'all get down. And then they will protect and watch your kid better. Seriously, I've seen it. I've seen it. I saw, you know, Gregory has stupid ass friends. Some of them was trash. And he figured it out after he got into a lot, a lot of trouble. And some of them weren't trash. They was just trying to fit in where they could get in. You know, because everybody wants to belong to something. Everybody. We join groups and clubs all day. We join churches because we want to belong. Everybody wants to belong. So you got to start from that place that people want to belong. Kids, kids are no exception. And, and hell, adults want to belong all the time. So kids want to belong too. Anyway. So don't don't make those don't don't make those don't make their friends a point of contention between you and your kid. Let if they're gonna run with the bad crowd, make let let them run with them because the run could be very short. Yes, there's an element of danger to that. Oh baby, I know, I know, I know. It's an element of danger to it. It is, it is. But you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta play that hand. They gotta be very careful. Just be very careful. Tread lightly. You know, don't go all hardcore. We're about to have the call letters in a minute. Because you just, it's about, it's almost 10 o'clock. 103.5 WNHH. Uh, Babs Rose Ivy. This is Love Babs Love Talk. And uh, I think you probably get some PSAs and I'll, I'll be right back. I think that's how it's going to go. I don't know who's You know, if the kids have there to get go. the COVID vaccine for school, my five-year-old starts kindergarten this year. It's not required, but I did get mine vaccinated to be on the safe side. There were several cases of COVID in the classes this year, and I'm happy they all stayed healthy. I just keep wondering if the COVID vaccine is the right thing for my child. I understand fully. And from what I've seen, there's been no major issues with my friends or their children. The COVID-19 vaccine is safe and effective, and it improves people's lives. Thanks to this vaccine, there is less spread and fewer symptoms reported by those who get infected. Now everyone over the age of six months can get it, and no appointment is necessary. Find out more at nhvvax.com, nhvvax.com. Make summer safer. Protect your family from COVID-19. Anyone over nine months old can get vaxxed. No appointment necessary. Visit nhvvax.com. That's nhvvax.com for everything you need to know. I'm New Haven Health Director Marissa Bond. If you or your family have COVID-19 symptoms or think you were exposed to someone with COVID, 
quarantine, stay home, and get tested on day five if possible. If you have COVID, isolate, wear a mask, vaccinate, get boosted, and tested as needed. Those are the best ways to stop the spread of COVID. At this time, we are vaccinating everyone ages five and up. Stay safe, New Haven. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. I want to dance all night, Monday morning, I'm sick of this job already. With this book in a little while Me and my girls We turned it up last week Boys love this club Cause ladies get in free We love to party Tried to flip, didn't get tossed. In the pearly whites, time to floss. Got top billing, counted the cost. Everybody knows that you're a go getter. Save me with a smile as you earned your cheddar. Work real hard, and who can do better than you, Bob? Got through the week, I didn't even trip when we did speak. Yo, I'm JK, and I'm doing my thing with my bitches. I love the
This is Ace Livingston, and you're listening to 103.5 FM, WNHH.
Yeah, come on. Sitting at the party, rocking back and forth, acting like you divorced. Get legs from the dance floor, girls are saying they want more. Fellas to get on the floor, and somebody screams. It's got to be J King on the scene. You know that I'm a party fiend, so I'm caught the stages. Rolls Ivy. Uh, my 1015 guest canceled this morning. Well, they have to reschedule. I was having these folks on to talk about vaginal pain, and they had sent me a book, and uh, and I, I learned so much about how many women suffer from vaginal pain and how it is so dismissed by the me- the medical profession, and that women just sort of suffer in silence. So uh, I look forward to uh, having them on. So we can talk more about this uh, because it's a big deal. Like it really is a, a a big deal. So, but I just wanted you to know that. So, so you just got me today talking by my lonesome, which is not a hard thing for me to do <laughs> at all. I talk, I, I listen, I was that kid that was sent to the principal's office for talking too much. Do you know what I mean? Like one of those. <laughs> uh, I was one of those kids. So I was like, all right. Okay. All right. Um, so I don't know, Nora, Harry, if you could change, um, if you could change Candace's name from yesterday uh, on the, uh, on the live feed, I think it's on the New Haven. I have access to the New Haven independent site. Like I can't go in and edit stuff. So if somebody could uh, fix that. It's C-A-N-D-I-C-E, not C-A-N-D-A-C-E. So that would be great if you could do that. That way she can uh, she can uh, use it for her purposes. So I'm hoping that somebody could handle that. Nora, Nora or Harry, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, so before, I, when, I, when I was on last time, uh, at the top of the other hour, I was talking about um, raising kids which is fine. Uh, now I'm going to move on to something else. So um, gala season is here. So we get it ready for all the galas. Uh, and I haven't, I won't be here on Friday because I'm having a root canal. <laughs> I, I do not know what that entails. <laughs> but I, I do know anesthesia will be involved. So I'm having a root canal on Friday. Uh, my goal is uh, and I understand now root canals are not the heady things that they used to be. 
So I've got uh, Root Canal on Friday. And uh, Saturday is the Freddie Fixer Gala. So Lucy Gelman is being honored and some other folks that I know very well. Uh, but I'm sitting at the Arts Council table with Lucy Gelman. So I'm going to send her a little message anyway, just in case I don't make it Saturday night because my face is swollen. But uh, I'm going to, I have to make it because that starts the Yale Access to Law program starts Saturday at nine o'clock. So hopefully I won't look like um, a rabbit. <laughs> bape, bape. So bunny, bunny, I hope I won't, I hope I'll be able to like get up and make it to that. Which I think I should be fine. So, but it's gala season. So the first gala up is uh, the Freddie Fixer. And then the next gala after that is, uh, oh my God. I don't even know what the next one is. I know it's coming up. I know I have them all over the place. I know it's the Arts and Ideas one. And then the um, Jamaican American gala, which I think I'm gonna, yeah, the Arts and Ideas is the 23rd, Friday night. And the Jamaican American Connection Gala is Saturday night. So I doubt if the same people are going to be at both galas. I might wear the same dress. No, I'm not. I have a ton of dresses. <laughs> I just have to. I just have to decide what I what I want to look like. I just have to decide what I want to wear, and then just like wear it. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I have an idea. I mean, I have lots of things. I listen. A lack of proper clothing has never been my problem, ever. Like, I I have more than enough stuff to dazzle and sparkle in. Really, I do. So uh, so it's not going to be a hard lift at all. So I'll just have to figure that out. That's just, it's not hard. It's not going to be hard. So, so, so yeah, so I'm ready. You know, I'm, I'm ready, 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 ready to, uh, make it to the to gala season and, and have a good time and uh i think this, this is the first time we've been actually distressed up since the pandemic so i hope people come out and um i mean you know what we had the arts awards last year which was really nice at lyman um uh and you know we social distance and masked up it was good it was good people were really grateful to be out so um i'm happy about that so I think more of the same. And the Arts Awards, I think, is like sometime in December. So we'll be full-on winter by that time. So I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Get your tickets. Don't miss because you'll be sitting home looking at the Facebook feed like, damn it, I should have went. And listen, this is our town. So we could, you know, dress up. You don't always have to, you know, you watched, you all watch these celebrities go to these things. They go to things that's in their in their in their community. This is our community, so we could just dress up and show up to all the things that make sense for us. So I'm hoping that people will do that. Um, it's always a good time, I think, when people are dressed up and they're eating fancy, drinking fancy, looking fancy. You know, it's one of those times when we get to do that. So. So yeah, so I am looking forward to. It. I hope I make it to the Freddie Fixer, which I think I, I hope I will. Like you know, take enough Tylenol, enough ibuprofen. Now you can mix Tylenol and ibuprofen together. Like they sell it like that now. Like you know, you get two hundred milligrams of Tylenol, two hundred milligrams of ibuprofen, and, and you won't die. You know, 
I, I don't I don't buy like that. I just buy two separate things and I just take one pill, one pill, put them together, and that's how I get down. Uh and that seems to that seems to work quite well. Um I I, I lean more to Tylenol because ibuprofen is bad on your liver. Like it literally is bad for your liver. You know. And uh and I remember taking a whole lot of uh uh I remember taking a whole lot of ibuprofen over periods of time, particularly when I was a young um, menstruating woman. <laughs> so now, now that I'm not, I don't have the desire or the need for those kinds of heavy, heavy drugs. Uh, I, I just don't. So except um, for when I was coming off those opioids for the hips, and and I was de- I was very deliberate about um, getting off those. So um, and just having regular over the counter um, over the counter meds, um, painkillers. And let me tell you something: over the counter pain meds are tough too. Like, don't think because they're over the counter that oh well these are these are not prescription strength. You can abuse those too. <laughs> People do. I think I was too. I was like, "Whoa, let me let me not let me not do that mess." You know, before I before I won't have a liver, because God knows I don't want to add trying to get a new liver to the game. Uh-uh. <laughs> no way, Jose. So we'll see what we're working with, baby. We'll see. Um, my friend Felton in New Jersey is in the hospital and I had a hip replacement. Uh, I was like, go ahead. Your life's going to change. <laughs> oh, whatever pain you was feeling, it's going to go away. Hooray. So I was like, get it, get it, get it, get it. And be be glad. So I'm telling everybody. I know some other people too who need to have a hip replacement. I was like, look, do what you got to do. Stop dragging your feet. Get it done. Uh, and uh, let's see what happens because your quality of life, your quality of life has to matter to you. Like it really does have to matter to you. And, and you don't have to live with pain. And I know people do because they just think they have to, or they just, you know, reluctant to have the surgery or this feels like it's just too much effort or, you know, uh, I'm going to see some other alternatives. You know, when I was on the vineyard, uh, working for the the jazz on the vineyard for uh, uh, um, with Tony Williams and her crew, there was a woman there who needed to have her hips done. And she was suffering. And she went into this whole rant about foreign things in her body and all sorts of kind of stuff. And I was like, but you, you could barely walk now. Like, you could barely walk. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, if you don't, I was like, do you have a history with foreign things in your body? Like, do you have, do you have, she was like, no. I was like, so what, why are you, why are you willing to suffer? Herbs are not going to fix this. Herbs, prayer, <laughs> baby, that's, I mean, I, listen, I'm for, I'm here for it. I'm here for prayer. I am. But have your hips replaced. She was, I mean, it was just awful. And, you know, 
I'm going to tell you something. Martha's Vineyard is not handicapped friendly. It just isn't. You know, they do what they can. You know, they do what they can, but it ain't, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't friendly. And uh, that was a huge struggle. I was like, girl, it's like, why are you living with that? So I told her, don't come back here next year and you're still hobbling like this. First of all, if you if you make it to the rest of the year, you'll be in a wheelchair because you won't be able to stand up. You will not be able to stand up. You barely making it as it is. Woo! I, when I think about the, the level of pain that I was enduring, I was like, you know, once I got that green light, there was no thought for me. I dropped 60 pounds. Now, I didn't put 60 pounds back on. But I dropped it for these surgeries. I did. Yes, I did. Because I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. My quality of life is not going to suffer. I don't understand these people who let their quality of life suffer. I I can't do it. I I just, it just, my life just means too much to me. <laughs> I like to run the streets too much. <laughs> I I just can't do it. I can't do it. And I was running the streets with a lot of pain and a cane and God knows. Uh, 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 uh. So I'm telling people, you want to know more about it? Come talk to me. I will tell you. It's it's better than having knee surgery, you know, because I think knee surgery is very difficult. I have a friend, my friend, my my friend, um, Doug, Bet Allen's husband in Seattle, having a tough time with his knees uh he had surgery it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of time to like get right i it takes a little time to get right and that's tough particularly when you're used to being mobile you know when you're used to moving at your own pace your own speed it just takes a little time um and i know a lot of people uh my friend Kay, her mother-in-law it took a long time for her to like I think she's still kind of suffering a little bit, you know, and it takes a long time. And, you know, I, I get it. You want to will your body to do whatever it could do. No one, no one is, a, no one knows that better than I, 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 you know, they had to tell me to chill because I was trying to, I was trying to get up on my feet faster than what was allowed. And you're like, listen, we don't want to have to go back in and redo nothing. So if you could just <laughs> go easy. I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> no, no, no. Miss Ivy, we understand. <laughs> this is what we do. We understand. What you don't understand is, you know, my, my surgeon was like, don't undo my handiwork. I was like, okay, all right. I'll, I'll go easier. I'll pay more attention. I'll be better. I'll go slower. You know, it's all those kinds of things, right? Go slower, take it easy. Have some grace for yourself, that kind of thing. I get it. We want to be back to ourselves. And the fastest way to do that is to do it. I get it. I get it. But I also know, gotta go easy. So let's take it easy. Do it one day at a time. One day at a time. And then you'll get back. Listen, no one was in more of a hurry than me. Nobody. Nobody, I'm here to tell you, nobody was in more. <laughs> no one was in more of a hurry than me. 
gosh, it was painful. So I'm just saying, good people. I'm just saying, take it easy. And now the weather is uh, cooling off a little bit, right? Um, it's like 70 degrees out. So we're we're quickly coming upon, you know, light sweater weather. Not yet. We got a couple more weeks before we before we're there. A little sweat sweater weather. Everybody's chilling, you know, nice, nice, and uh, getting acclimated. I think um, cocktail week kicks off in the next couple of days. Tim Cabral and company uh, doing co- it's such a hit. People love going to all the different spaces and having fancy cocktails. And we went one year, Ife and I went one year. We had a damn good time. <laughs> we was <laughs> we were at Firehouse Twelve drinking mezcal. We were at Royas drinking. I don't know what the hell was ever. I mean, it was just stuff all over the place. We were all over the place. We we were doing um bourbon tastings at um Owl Shop. It was great. Oh no, Irish whiskey. It was Irish whiskey at the Owl Shop. All that good. They had they had some of that um out the right out from the vault in Ireland. They brought some over. Oh, man. I was like, what? I loved it. <laughs> I, I'm not going to be able to do it this year. I don't have the time. I don't have the time to um, hit them up. So uh, so that's why I'm skipping it, because it's just competing with too many things. Otherwise, I'd be a cocktail week doing the damn thing. But I can't. I got too many too many commitments. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate because it's a fun event. It's it's a lot of fun, and uh, and you get to meet some interesting people and other people who enjoy cocktails too. <laughs> all us, all of us, foo foo shi shi poo poo cocktail drinkers. So uh, yeah, so that I mean that's it. That's 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 just where we are. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. The symphony is about to jump off some cool stuff happening with them. Um, Possible Futures Bookstore is open and ready to receive your business. So get over there. It's on the corner of Edgewood and Hotchkiss. Lit Fest is coming up. It's always good to see all your favorite um, authors, authors you didn't know you wanted to know and authors who are new to you. So, I mean, there's a a lot of cool stuff going on, you know. Some other stuff coming into works. Um, you know, I got my hand on some arts and ideas stuff I'm excited about. I'm just, you know, it's a good time. I guess, I guess fall is planful. (laughs) And and I treat October like my New Year's, actually. Although I, 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 you know, I I get down with New Year's, but I always treat when I, when I'm setting goals and, and uh, thinking about my life, um, October is really my jump off. I spend a lot of time because uh, there's so much in October that good and bad that has happened to me that is just glaring. So I just use October. So I was like, well, darn, I must, I need to use this month as the, as the month. Because <laughs> so much, so much has gone on in it over the years and I keep adding and building on it. So I was like, all right. I, I see where this is going. I see. I see where this is going. Let me do the thing. Let me do the damn thing. So yeah. Um, so October is coming, but I'm I'm listen, 
I'm squarely in September. I, I am. I am squarely in September, and I want people to know that I'm not. I'm not racing these. Um, I'm not racing these months or these days. I'm just taking them all in stride. Just taking them, taking them all in stride. That's all I'm doing. That's all I could do. I hope that you're doing it too. Um, you know, I, I'm amazed at how much I'm reading, though. I, I, I really, I really appreciate um, how much reading I am doing. I feel very good about that. <laughs> I went from barely reading to like, okay, I'm gonna get this in. I'm gonna get it all in and getting it in. I, I, I appreciate it, and and I'm reading good stuff and. Right now, I'm, I'm just reading stuff by Black people. And before, people were like, why are you only reading stuff by Black people? It's because I spent a lifetime reading stuff by white people. And that's not to say I won't ever read stuff by white people. That's ridiculous. I'm just saying right now, I am being intentional and deliberate about what I'm picking up. And I'm picking up all the stuff. <laughs> all of it. All of it. Reading all the things by Black people. And, uh, and it makes me very, very happy. It makes me very, very happy. So so that's what I'm doing, people. Y'all tell me what y'all doing. Let me know. <laughs> Let me know what y'all doing. I know you see me out there in the grocery stores, you see me in the streets, and you're like, oh, listen to the show, and I heard this and the other thing, blah, 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 blah. Tell me what you're doing so I can talk about you. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. Not... I'm not in a, um, girl, did you see? No, 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 not in a gossipy, ridiculous sort of way. In a good, good way. In a good, good way. In a good, good way. So um, that's 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 really what I want to highlight to people. Um, because I, I, I see people all the time. I am uh, I'm working on a project. You know, my neighbor upstairs is a carpenter. And uh, so in a span of a few hours last night, I've orchestrated a whole thing. I don't want to talk about it yet until I get the plants off the ground. But it has something to do with literacy. I guess. Yeah. It has to do with books. <laughs> on top of the Babs book joy that's going on at Possible Futures, I've invited friends to um, drop some dollars over there so we could give kids books. And I think to date we've raised a little over $500 which is really nice. So that'll keep kids, a bunch of kids in books for a minute. And then we'll do, we'll do, we'll do it all over again to replenish, you know, the, the coffers. <laughs> we'll replenish the coffers um, later. Right now we're going to, we're going to rock with what we got and kids going to get these books. And I am delighted by that. So I'm very delighted by that. I think it'll be, I think it's a wonderful way to make sure that kids build their own library of books of their own choosing. And listen, I, I love take I love kids going to the library. I think going to the library is pretty important. I took my kids to the library. I still go to the library. Uh, but this is, you know, you, you come into a bookstore, you want a book. And sometimes it's not in the budget if you're a parent. Sometimes it's not in the budget. And I get that. I I I so 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 get that so so this is this is my little way to help 
this is my little way to help and to put some money at the bookstore and kids could come in and, and they can get books any way they want. And then we've got some other things that are going to be happening over there. Uh, my friend Andrew has um, offered up an opportunity. So I'm looking forward to running with that. So I think that'll be good uh, on top of uh, all the stuff that's going on. Um, that little store is going to be a hub, a cool hub, you know. So got Bloom down the street. Come on down the street to Possible Futures. Bloom and then Possible Futures. I mean, it's all that. It's all those good things. All those good things. All those good things. This, this, this city is, the city is popping. I love it. Don't you love it? I love it. I love being a part of it. So I'm just saying. Do your part. Show up. Show out. Ah, let's see. I don't know what else. I don't know what else is. Uh, I've not really been paying attention to the news. I feel very. I feel some kind of way about that. That woman was killed jogging in her neighborhood. Um, that that was quite painful. That really was painful. And I was hoping against hope that they would find her uh, alive, but they didn't. And. You know, she's a mother of two kids. And, you know, and they have little kids. So it's just painful. You know, the world can be such a sad and depressing place. And uh and we have to acknowledge it. Like we have to we have to acknowledge when the bad things happen. Like I'm not one of these people that'll be like, oh, I only want to know the positive stuff. No, you can't. You have the capacity for all the things. We have the capacity for all the things. So uh, I have a date for um, the New Haven Docs Film Festival. It's coming up. And uh, and I think I am leading a talk, a talk back uh, with some educators. And I think the, the, the director, producer, writer of the film that I saw around um, a particular school in Chicago, and it was quite powerful. It's not long. It's, not, it's like an hour, 15 minutes or something. But it was very powerful. And it was stunning. I, you know, on top of reading um, The Color of Law, which I'm reading for race and law class, this book right here, this book is really just something. It is just, I think if, 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 if this, people understood the government's role in segregation and zoning and housing zoning and and keeping people segregated and keeping black people out keeping neighborhoods white and keeping blacks out of neighborhoods even well-to-do blacks i mean i think if people knew this as part of their everyday practical lives and not have it feel like some kind of myth or some kind of, well, you're always talking about race. I mean, I think if people understood truly how we got to where we are now, I think it would, I think it could go a long way with changing some of the trajectory of racism in this country. I, I didn't say wipe out, baby. I did, I did not, because you know, you heard me say yesterday, I don't have no faith in it being wiped out. I do not have any faith in racism being wiped out. Mm-mm, I do not, but I do have faith that um, folks 
folks can get to a place where we can recognize it and do our best to uh Hi, this message is for Barbara. This is Dr. Carrington's office calling. Do you have an appointment? Yes. I know that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was what I was saying. So and we got to a place where we if we could if we could learn, if you know, if everybody could learn about what is happening, what has happened, I think I think it would bode well. I think it would. I think it. I think it would bode well. I'm not. I'm not certain, but I always think that when people know a thing, and you can't unknow a thing, um, that you operate from the knowing. Do you know what I mean? Like you operate from the place of knowing rather than the place of ignorance. And I think that's where the majority of the people in the country are operating from a place of ignorance because they don't know. And they don't have, the, so many people don't have the will to know. They just take a stand and they just dig in and they don't even know about the history. They just feel like they're being blamed for something that they didn't do, but they are benefiting from something that they didn't do. And it's a hard conversation to have because people get in their feelings so quick about it, you know, because um, it's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> the history of enslavement of people in this country is atrocious. It's atrocious. You know, we already recognize that the Holocaust should never happen again, but we've not acknowledged the transatlantic slave trade as being one of the most heinous acts that humans could do to humans. We just, we just not have, and then, and then once they got here, how, how they kept coming here and bringing here, being kidnapped here, kidnapped here, and all manner of things happening to them here. It's a, it's a, it's a lot. I mean, it's, it overwhelms me and it angers me. So I know, you know, you, you give it to people who, who barely, barely have a passing understanding of, of any, any historical stuff. <laughs> you know, they, they barely understand any history. They don't even know how their town was founded or, 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 or all the things that go on in their own cities. So I know uh, talking about uh, history in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable, it can be debilitating to them, you know. You know, if they, if, if they think it's uncomfortable for them, imagine how we feel. That's that's where they that's where they they fall off the bridge at. You know, they don't want to go further than their own feelings. Well, I I don't want to be I don't want to hear about this because I feel some kind of way and I feel like you're blaming me. No, we're not we're not trying to blame you. We're trying to get you to acknowledge, you know, or at least listen to us talk about what this means and how we are struggling and how everything. That is that is happening in this country is no fault of our own. That there are systems put in place to do exactly what it is doing, you know. So it's hard to have these conversations with people, and I think there are qualified people to have these conversations who can facilitate these conversations across the country. I'm not one of them because my nerves is too bad for it. <laughs> I, I do not pretend to want to have conversations about race with white people. 
I damn sure I damn I I don't have damn what I have with black people, but I I do like knowing it. I do like reading it. I'm stunned by it, but that's as far as it goes. So I'm not the one to facilitate, but there are qualified people who can facilitate these very difficult conversations um, and, and can help people along with understanding them. You know, but you got to create that. You have to create the, the dynamic for it and the space for it. That's why I think, you know, a freedom school is such a, let me tell you something. If I had any money, to put a freedom school somewhere in this city for after school, not to compete with public schools, because God knows nothing competes with public schools, but an after school program that could be all about the learning of history for adults and children alike. That's what I would like to do. Like I, I would put money toward that and it would just be weekend academies or weeknight academies. And we would start with, you know, the 1619 project. And then we would add in other things and we would just spend a year. People would just spend time reading and discerning and, and, and having conversation about what that, what that looked like. And then pull all the pieces together, pull all the things together so that you see history in its totality, right? You see it in its whole totality. That's, that's what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't have any money for that, but if I did, that's what I would, I would I would have somebody create a curriculum or borrow some. Listen, um, I know the sixteen nineteen project has a uh, uh, is launching. Uh, Hannah Nicole uh, started a freedom school, and I believe is launching shortly, or it has launched, and uh, it would be worth my while to see her curriculum and replicate it here. That's what I would like to do. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just saying <laughs> so many, so many things. This is what I would use money for. <laughs> oh, I would live well. Yes. But, but I'd use a lot of money to do all these things, these little things that, you know, that we, we can't seem to find money to do and put our hands around. I mean, it was just, you know, it's just so many little, so many little things uh, that I would love to, uh, I would love to uh, do, and it, and it would be just community inspired. That's what I, I would like to do. That so, well, boys and girls, I'm on my way out of here. I got to run up and pick up some prescriptions. I've got some new prescriptions to take because I have a, a, a unyielding cough that needs to be dealt with, uh, and it's, it's asthma in its in its look and feel, but it can't continue, so it's got to be dealt with. My eyes are a little watery um, and itchy, so they're a little red at the moment. Um, and that's what I'm. That's that's where I'm gonna leave it. So I'm back tomorrow, Thursday. Anru is here tomorrow, and I know how y'all love talking to Anru. I don't know if Pundits is on for tomorrow. I'll hear. I'll hear back. I'll know tomorrow. But in the meantime, in between time, good people, y'all be safe out there in them damn streets. Love one another if you can. <sighs> Be better humans. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Thanks, Nora and Harry. Lie, 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 lie.